I, um, so I believe that black history should be taught because black history is not just for black people, it's for everybody. You know, this country must understand that it's been built off the backs of not just black people, but brown people. And we must be taught correctly about that history. That's Toby Audin, the founder of Black Ballot, a UK-based lifestyle platform for black women. And she joins us here today on the Black Founders podcast, hosted by Hoka, the house of Kurt Henderson. Hey, Toby, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here. I was a little bit eager and like, hey, but yeah, it's great to be here. <laughs> Eagerness is great. It's what we need. <laughs> so today we've done with uh, previous podcast guests, um, we'll be discussing your journey, your passion, and I'm looking forward to seeing how you do in the four challenges we have set up. Okay. <laughs> which I'll explain in more detail just before we start each one. But first, tell us about Black Ballad, your startup and yourself. Uh, yeah, so uh, Black Ballad was founded by myself in 2014 alongside my co-founder. Fun fact, my co-founder happens to be my husband. And Black Ballad <laughs> is a media and data company for by Black women in Britain and beyond. We create high quality journalism that Black women are not going to get anywhere else. We create events and sometimes we work with amazing uh, brands for events. So we've worked with Waterstones, EFT... Mm-hmm. Southbank Centre to host some really like great events for black women and we collect data about this black woman's experience. Um, when I started or when I had the idea for Black Man in 2014, um, we dug into some research that I guess to kind of have a starting point, all the research was US based. Um, so we make sure that we research, we have data on this audience, a black British audience. Um, so that's what we do in a nutshell. That's my startup in a nutshell and who I, who I am is I'm a 31-year-old Londoner, British-Nigerian, mum of one. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Toby. Um, How does the platform work? It'd be interesting to know um, what's different about your platform um, in comparison to other um, online lifestyle publications. Yeah, so what I didn't say is that we're a subscription platform. So there's a paywall. Um, we operate a freemium model. So if you don't want to pay for Black Ballad, you enter your email address and you get three free reads per month. And you get uh, signed up to our weekly newsletter that goes out every Sunday night around 10, 10, 11. Um, and then if you want to become a member, you get access to all the content, you get discounts to the events that we do, and you get access to the black-owned businesses that we've partnered with. Um, and there's two types of paid memberships. There's our standard, um, and then there's our premium. So our premium get everything that I've mentioned, but they also get access to our Slack group where black women talk about things from work, Michaela Cole snub at the Golden Globes, insecure, motherhood, everything that affects mm-hmm. us. So we have these really amazing conversations in this safe space. Incredible. Wow. And just tell me a bit more about um, your fundraising that you did for the platform. So you transitioned from a, a free blog to a, a fully fledged membership um, and you done that over a six week period. Yes, we did that over, I think, a six-week six period via a crowdfund. Um, we did that crowdfund, I want to say, is in 2016. It feels so long ago now. Um, <laughs> 2016, 
no pandemic. <laughs> we do the crowdfund. Um, yes, yeah, and um, our crowdfund, um, we had a really tiny audience at that point. Um, we had, mm-hmm. I think we had, I think maybe 3,000 people on Twitter. I think we had like just over 1,000 on Instagram, maybe 1,000 on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But we had a really engaged audience and we was able to raise 12,500 pounds to transition from a free access blog to a crowdfund. Wow. Um, and then we relaunched in 2017 um, as the membership platform that everyone knows and hopefully loves um, that they see today. <laughs> and then beyond the crowdfund, we've raised some investments uh, we raised a like I say, I guess a bridge round, so we could be full time in 2019, and then we're um, mm-hmm. 2019, and we're currently raising our pre seed round to be, um, yeah, to improve our tech and to you know continue in our charge of being the best uh, lifestyle platform for Black women in Britain, Europe, and the world. Mm-hmm. And just out of interest. Um, um, throughout 2020, of course, we were all um, put through uh, the situations of COVID. Um, how did you see your, how did that affect your readership? Um, did you see an increase or did you see a decrease in readers? No, we saw an increase. Um, I think, you know, during the pandemic, I think, you know, people are at home, they're not commuting, they have a bit more time on their hands. I think people are looking for community as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I don't think it's, you know, also we have to remember, you know, in this summer there was a Black Lives Matter resurgence. Um, so people are more and more interested in this this uh, content written by black women that was unfiltered and, and not whitewashed. So between the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement in the summer, we saw a increase in memberships, in reads, in email signups. I think mm-hmm. the only way it was really affected negatively um, mm-hmm. was probably events. I don't think that was a bad thing, actually. All our events had to be online, which was great, actually, because people that could come from all over the globe, we did an event um, and we had people from America in it and, like, outside oh. of London, which you're never going to get, you know, if you just do your events in London or you do it in Birmingham or whatever city. Um, yeah. So readership has increased, memberships has increased, email sites have increased, um, but the big drastic change was really events and taking events um, on online instead of being, like, in, like, yeah, offline spaces. Super interesting. And just to segue from one of the points you made about um, your readership um, coming from London and the US, um, and just to quote one of your um, lines you said in one of your previous in online um, interviews, you said that there's not going to be one dominant voice in this publication, and that dominant voice is the Black female Londoner. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that... You know, I've worked in media public organisations from the BBC uh, to, uh, yeah, um, what was once known as IPC. Um, I freelanced for a number of publications, including Stylist, Grazia, The Pool, Guardian, iNews. And no matter what publication you look at, Londoners dominate. They dominate. And I think it's because it is a, it's, it's a consequence of having you know, our political system physically be in London. So everything revolves around London. And I was just yeah. keen to make sure I didn't repeat mainstream's mistakes. You know, women's lifestyle revolves around white women and white women only. And I and yeah. I could see that as an independent publication, we were kind of falling into that trap of it revolving around one set of, you know, one sort of black woman. And that was a black woman that was in London. 
Yeah. And um, myself, my my husband, who's my co-founder, and Jendela Benson, who's our head of editorial, we had been talking about this for a while. And it helps that Jendela Benson is actually from Birmingham, uh, but she moved okay. to London. Uh, family, her kids and husband, she's in London. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about the differences in her upbringing, the diff- being from Birmingham, you know, I'm from London. And we... Yeah wanted to make sure if we're going to be the best publication for black women in Britain, then we have to be for black women across Britain. Um, So we kept talking about it. And then in the back end of 2019, we won a grant from Nesta. Um, And this grant, um, we pitched this idea that we could create, um, I guess, a 360 project of data and media about the experiences of black women who don't live in London. So we ran a survey called the Black Women in Britain Survey. 60% of participants weren't in London. We had over 3,500 Black women fill in that survey. Um, and then we created content off the back of it. We asked so many questions from personal finance, education, health, mental health, um, beauty, um, food. Um, and off the back of that, we created content and we actually hired nine regional editors across the country it was really important that jenny who's our head of editorial didn't commission these writers we wanted to make sure that we had editors who are black women who um black women or you know identified as black women who could speak to the real nuances of these uh different regions so we had an editor for scotland Wales, Southwest, Southeast, West Midlands, East Midlands, East of England, Northwest, Northeast. So nine editors, and they will be they was able to commission content all about their regions. We mm-hmm. produced over I think nearly eighty stories um, in total. Um, we did everything from what it's like to be a black woman over 50 in X part of the country, what it's like building a business as a black entrepreneur at this part of the country. We had this amazing story about a black woman who uh, lived in East Midlands in the 60s, who was a fashion model for tights, but you never saw her face. And she exposed the racism that went on in like modeling in the East Midlands. Uh, we yeah. had some amazing con- um, content about the um, racism in healthcare in these regions. Um, so I'm really proud of that, actually. And, you know, we are committed to making sure we have black voices outside of London all the time. So now we've got an editorial um, principle in place that if you're pitching to us and you're pitching a longer piece, if you have to have three, two or more voices in that piece, you have to have someone who's outside of London speaking in that piece. Um, so we're just trying to do our best, really. And that's um, we're trying to do our best. And we're trying to make sure we've not got one dominant voice in this publication. I think that's incredible. And it's so important to... Um, make sure that all the voices um, that are coming um, through this platform and from black women are from across the country. So yeah. it's amazing to see that um, you lot have, have realised that. And it's so easy to get trapped in this bubble of London um, and just focus on pushing messaging and creating content around Londoners. So it's it's really inspiring and incredible to see how you lot are trying to spread out amongst um, the UK in itself. Thank um, you. Yeah. I just want to talk a bit more about um, your revenue model. Um, just a quote from one of your, um, so from what you said in one of your pop- articles, you talked about how the 
advertising um, avenue was was too small a margin to bother with. Um, and as you said, black people make up 3% of the country. If black women only make up half of that, that's around 1.5%, uh, which is why you really thought about pushing the subscription model as your main source of, of, of revenue. Um, talk, talk to me about that, like the thought process behind that. Yeah, I don't know if I quite said it like that. Maybe I did, or maybe I should think about what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, um, basically, um, advertising is all about scale. So advertisers, in all honesty, advertisers want large numbers. And, you know, black, you know, I don't like saying black women are a niche market. We're not. Like, globally, we are no, we're not niche. We are just a focused, we, you know, we have a focused demographic that we are um, creating content and lifestyle experiences for. Um, but when we started out, you know, people would say, oh, it's only, you know, black women make up, you know, max 1.5, you know, 1.5 million people in Britain. So, you know, are we going to spend our budgets with you? Because, you know, it was in 2014, 2016, you know, that was the rise of the influence. They had millions of followers and they was kind of looking for those sort of numbers and those followers who was going to get everybody across different races, genders and whatever. Mm-hmm. so you know advertisers thought we were kind of too small to bother with and you know what if I'm honest now completely I think mm-hmm. the racism in advertising at that point was rife and I think people didn't want to bother with a black publication I think mm-hmm. people didn't want to spend money with us and I, you know I think there's an example we went we met with a media agency and they were um they were working with a brand, a very high profile brand, who at the time was coming out with shades for black women. Mm-hmm. And I definitely get we didn't have, you know, a big audience then. So that's fine. Um, but even if we did, you know what they said? They said, well, we could advertise with you, but we'll advertise with a mainstream publication that everybody knows mm. because although it's not for black women, black women might read it. And I think. Right you know, that told me everything, that if they wanted to reach black women, they were just going to go to a publication and just hope that they catch a black woman there. They weren't going to come to a publication that was really dedicated to black women, which really is nonsensical. But that's literally how it was, because it was kind of like, why would they they bother with us? Um, So advertising was a no-go at that point. So we had to do a membership. Um, And, you know, my husband... Uh, Bola um, is a data analyst um, and he was looking and specialising in how technology had, you know, changed media, the media landscape. And he was reading that, um, you know, independent publications were starting memberships when they had very specific audiences. So, you know, because um, he was reading that, he was like, you know, I think there's an opportunity for us to do a membership. And we went back and forth on it, and that's how we started. You know, that's how we came to the conclusion that our membership was our only way of survival at that point. You know, in 2016, it was kind of do or die. Like, we didn't do a membership, we weren't carrying on. So that's why we started the membership. And what that membership has been able to do for us in terms of our revenue streams is that it has opened us up to advertising now. You know, we are working with some amazing, we've worked with some amazing brands and are working with some amazing brands. You know, we worked with BBC Dove, um, Quarkast Books. Um, and I think the membership has been really integral because, you know, what we demonstrate to brands is that we have black women who trust us enough to spend with us, to give us their email. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a better way to do that than having, I guess, a million followers who kind of just see us as like a flyby publication. And yeah. then obviously, you know, data 
is kind of a part of you know our, our model um, in terms of understanding black women you know we get data you know and it helps us understand these women we make content off the back of it um and you know the more you understand your audience the more likely they are to stay with you or even pay for, pay pay you in the first place um and then i think the other thing is you know that we've been it's a really new revenue revenue model for us is that we're you know we're talking to universities about groups of group sub- subscriptions Incredible. that's very very new for us but we would never be able to do that if we didn't have a paywall like a you know a, a university wouldn't ask to access us if we were just a free access blog because people could um mm-hmm. so yeah those is that's it's kind of a uh kind of not it's not a straightforward revenue model as people often like to assume or pigeonhole it to be um it's very thought out it's a little bit complex um and not everybody gets it (laughs) and i think it's important that the content that you're producing is is well curated and you know the people consuming this content feel like it's it's representing them um in that way Mm. um so i'm it's really impressive what you what you what you and the team are doing and I'm going to make sure my, my credit card is out after this so I can sign up for my membership. I'm going to hold you for that to that. I'm going to hold yeah. you for oh, that. Oh, I will sign up. <laughs> Good. So for our first challenge, you'll be exploring your multitasking skills, answering some questions that I've prepared for you whilst playing T-Rex Runner. I'm so nervous. I hope you've been practicing. <laughs> I haven't been practicing. And my little one would not give me the chance to practice. Well, this is the best test you're going to get. Okay. So the longer you stay alive over a minute, the more points you get. It's going to be three rounds with a maximum of 15 points. So that's five points okay. per round. So are you ready to get started? Okay. Tell me when to go and I'll be ready. Okay, question number one. Right. How has understanding data about black women helped you shape Black Ballad's mission and content? Um, I think it's made me realise, um, one, it's important to have women outside of London. I think that's really important. I died. <laughs> oh my God, it's so hard to play a game and answer questions. <laughs> Jesus, I'm terrible. Um, I think it's also made me realise um, what a terrible job that uh, media brands have done before us. I think I knew it, but like I think it was cemented. Um, and I think it's also made me realise how important health is to black women. Um, a lot of black women answered a lot of questions about health in our like survey um, very passionately. And we have a lot of data on health. And I think I realised how important it is for us to make sure we're doing content that is about health. Um, so, yeah. Incredible. Wow. Um, you got one point from that out of five. <laughs> it is hard, right? <laughs> so hard. Okay. I'll start again. <laughs> All right. Question two coming your way. All right. Who is the most inspirational woman in your life and why? Oh, um, who's the most inspirational woman in my life and why? I'm going to say my daughter. I know she's a baby, but she inspires me to just be better. She inspires me to have priorities. She inspires me to be happier and more content with the world. 
Um, so my daughter's my biggest inspiration. That's beautiful. That she's only really 10 beautiful. months, so she, yeah, if she ever hears this when she's older, she'll be proper gas. <laughs> I'll make sure I keep the MP3 so I can send it to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, probably, yeah, my daughter. That's beautiful. Well, you got one point from that as well. So congratulations. That's so bad. I was just literally just keep going and going, innit? I was just terrible. Yeah, I literally just may as well keep going for that one. So the last question of the round. Yeah. Is so your husband is your co-founder. Yes, How do you is. both switch off and avoid talking business in your spare time? <laughs> on that question. I didn't I didn't expect you to ask me a question about my husband. <laughs> um, I'm literally just doing this. Um, how do you both switch off? Um, it's definitely mm. easier with my daughter when she comes home. Um, she definitely mm. makes us both switch off. Um, but it's just about, you know, focusing and like, you know, we just shut shop at around like six, seven. Um, it's important that I guess, um, I've never really said this. I don't really talk about like too much about my marriage, but it's really important that the, our marriage works. Um, and lines of communications are clear in order for Black Ballad Mm -hmm. to work. Um, Mm -hmm. Is Black Ballad dependent on my marriage? Possibly. So, yeah. um, But, yeah, we just... You just have to actively switch off. That's literally it. You just have to. So important. I think that's such an important answer um, because I know a few, um, including my own founders, who are in a relationship um, and a few friends who are in business relationships um with their with their partners um and obviously that that time where they're just spending time together outside of the business is is in somewhat just as important um so for all those looking to go into a co-founding um relationship with with those they love um that's a really really good answer yeah um yeah i think so and i think um having strong divisions of labor um who does what in the business is very very key um i would i would say um so yeah um yeah i'd say that so toby i'm interested to know where your passions lie and that could be within business or outside of business Mm -hmm. um what gets your heart racing or your blood boiling um whether that's something you do publicly or privately where do you want to see change? Um, I'm obviously passionate about black women and the black community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Black Lives Matter, I have protested in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I protested in the past uh, for Mazim Mohammed, who died in Liverpool a few years ago. I thought it was really important to protest the life of a black British man who had died um under suspicious circumstances in the police force. I'm very, very passionate about Black Lives Matter in all aspects. Um, You know, it shouldn't just be the point that we're protesting that when, you know, someone has died, we can't just value lives when they're dead. They have to, we have to value lives when they're living. So for me, um, that's, that's what Black Ballad is. And I don't, I don't don't know, not like I'm saying it like it's, um, uh, that I'm doing like the most amazing work, and I'm this activist. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even dream of calling myself an activist. I, I don't think like I'm even worthy of like that sort of title and what you know and what amazing actors in the past have done. But I'm very much behind making sure that the black community can live a life as full as possible, 
for me, it's really important to champion like black causes like you know we myself and Jenny have of course been so passionate about you know black mums who you know as we were when our four times likely to die in childbirth that's why we did the survey um Mm -hmm. I always say my feminism is black from top to bottom like Mm -hmm. you know I'm a feminist but my feminism prioritizes black women 100 percent um so you know my work so you know black lives matter because you know obviously there are there are people who are not black women in the black community we all need to be thriving so that's why i will say black lives matter first and foremost is so important for me it's important that we have resources that we you know it's important that we vote it's important that we have i know there's always a, a strong argument against Capitalism, and I'm not saying that capitalism is the cure for everything and anything, but I do think it's important that we have businesses and we do have structures in place that we can hire, that we can pay and treat people fairly, as well as making sure we're educated on the different health plights that we are more likely to suffer as black people. Um, I'm a big, you know, so yeah, I think, you know, for me, Black Lives Matter and, and feminism that is black centric are the two mm-hmm. things that I will live and die by in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think that that's what my work is dedicated to, right? Um, and I know people may look at Black Band and be like, oh, it's a lifestyle site, it's light and it's whatever. And never that, yeah. it's more than that, you know? And I make sure it's more than that. And that's why it's important for me to do data, you know? Sometimes people don't know everything that goes on with Black Ballad, but, you know, mm-hmm. I know for a fact our data has been shown in Parliament and we might not yeah. be singing it from the rooftops because, you know, we don't need to do that. I don't need to be on Twitter and say, oh, you know, you know, this party is using our data to move this conversation along because it's enough yeah. that the data is being shown. And that was the point of us doing that survey. That's the point mm-hmm. of doing the work, right, is to lead to change and lead to policy change. Um, of so yeah those movements for me are what's super important um, you know for me it's also I really people know that I love my team but to employ yeah. you know four other black women and treat mm-hmm. them well and pay them the best that I can and you know we've paid over 350 you know mm-hmm. black female creators you know that's mm-hmm. super important um, because when we have that infrastructure, when we have that power, we have choice. Um, so yeah, um, Black Lives Matter and Black feminism, feminism that is Black centric, is what I live and die by. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And what's your thoughts on Black History Month as a whole? <sighs> this is a, this is hard. So I wish we didn't need it, mm-hmm. but I think we do need it. Okay. And I think that I wish we didn't. It's it's hard, it's like okay, we've got a month, and then like you know, they celebrate black people. Like that's yeah. not right. We're black twenty four seven. Yeah. <laughs> um. But at the same time, it's when we have the microphone. It's when we have you know. It's when our voices are heard the loudest. So, you know, mm-hmm. if it's thirty one days mm-hmm. that we have to get our points across when they're going to be heard, then I'll utilise it. I think sometimes, 
I don't know if this is being a bit jaded because, you know, I, you know, when I came into Black Ballad, you know, I was a little bit naive, you know, I was 20, oh God, I'm about 23, 24. My math might be off. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, I'm older, I'm 31. Um, I've seen a lot. Sometimes I think you have to do the best with this within the, within the structures that you occupy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I often ask myself this, like, am I am I ready to go back home to Nigeria where, you know, our parent, you know, where we're from? And the answer is no, right? So yeah. what's the best I can do here? And if, you know, and I think that's the thing with Black History Month, you know, like, I would love Black culture to be celebrated all year round. I'd love it, yeah. but I have to be realistic. I don't think that is it. But, well, it is for me because I do Black Ballast, so that's to everyone I I do that. But um, yeah, I think, you know, with Black History Month, it's when we have the microphone in this country. So for me, I'm willing to use it. I'm willing to just grab it and use it on my own terms. But then part of me also feels that I speak from a pace of privilege because I genuinely work (laughs) on (laughs) black issues all the time. Like, Like, literally, I don't go to work and then I don't go to work and then have to have a meeting like, oh my god it's black history month what are we doing like my friends in october and like they're like okay my workplace wants to do black history month you got any suggestions mm-hmm. oh my god it's so annoying like i don't do it i don't have that <laughs> conundrum because i literally do yeah. it all the time i don't have to you know if we ever go back into an office you know mm-hmm. if we have an office party i'm always gonna get a black caterer you know, I'm not. It's not going to be. Oh, there's an office party in October. We can have black caterer now. That, that's not my life. So I think I do speak yeah. from a place of privilege of why Black History Month doesn't probably bother me as much because I literally do it all year round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes complete sense, Toby. That makes complete sense. Um, and that's so interesting because I've been asked a number of times um, from people, from friends, some fellow business owners what to do in the circumstances of Black History Month. Um, how do they showcase their, their love for Black history within the, within the workspace? Um, it's interesting because I also want to get your thoughts on what you think about education um, in, the, in school curriculum. Yeah. Um, and how we can educate those growing up um, more about Black culture, Black history. Um, what's your thoughts and what was your experience growing up? Um, um, I um, so I believe that black history should be taught because black history is not just for black people it's for everybody you know this country must understand that it's been built off the backs of not just black people but brown people and we must be taught correctly about that history um, because when we're taught correctly about that history it removes a lot of ignorance I think it it removes a lot of prejudice and racism that exists. We've seen it with Brexit. Um, We've seen it with how our current government have 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 won their their campaign, have won their um, you know political campaigns. So we must educate um, everybody on the importance of Black history. And you know what Black people have contributed to this country. We have contributed from fighting in wars to propping up the health system um, mm-hmm. 
you know, we, you know, from being teachers, we have contributed immensely to this economy in a way that I think is still not quite known, if I'm honest. I think the full scale of our contribution isn't still quite known. Um, so I think it's super important because I think it's a way, I don't think it, I don't think it's the absolute only cure for racism, but I think it's, a, I think it's the place where we can really start to chip away, at, you know, these systems that only values whiteness. In terms of my education, I didn't learn about black history in school, but I never got taught history in school. Okay. And I have a theory. I went to a school where the majority of teachers were black. My headmistress was black. My head of years black. My deputy head was black. Um, I had more black teachers than I had white teachers. It was, and apparently this is a very unique experience. I didn't know that. And, um, Keeping in touch with teachers, they were very, um, and knowing what I know now, I think a lot of my teachers who had power, well, because the, the whole leadership team was black, they didn't agree with the history curriculum and we weren't taught it. And I now look back on this and was always like, why would we not tell history? But they, none of the, when I see my teachers on Facebook, they all hate the British Museum. <laughs> <laughs> they all don't like the. They all fundamentally don't agree with the curriculum and what is taught in history. So my theory is, I think they just they just nixed it from the from our learning. We never learned history. We never learned history past like World War Two and Seven. And I remember they was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I think it's probably been. I think it's been for the good. I think I think it was great. I actually picked up history in A level because I'm so I'm actually a history buff. I love history. Like I genuinely I lo- genuinely love history. Um, mm-hmm. So I picked up 17th century history in A level and and Russia and I learned a hell of a lot. Um, yeah. But now I look back, I think because I had like predominantly black teachers, predominantly black leadership team. I think they just didn't bother because they just thought it wasn't true. Wow. That's such a different experience to that of mine, that's for sure. And yeah, probably other listeners on, the, on this on, on this podcast as well. Me, yeah, me and my friend, my two best friends, my two best friends, are my two best friends from school, we've known each other since eleven. And I always say, do you know, like people don't have like more than like maybe one black teacher in their like secondary school, and they're like, yeah. "Sam, are you lying?" They was like, "But everyone's black <laughs> in our school," and we're like, "Yeah." They was like, "But I had I had my headmistress, our deputy head, our head of year, our deputy head, like the whole science department." the majority of the English department, everyone's black. And I was like, mm-hmm. apparently this is not normal. And they can't believe it, but apparently it's not normal. To be honest, I think from in senior year, I think there was only two black teachers. Um, one was French and one came in halfway through the year to teach chemistry. Um, and it, yeah, it was just quite, it was quite shocked. But to be honest, most of my school were predominantly white. Um, so, I don't know how that influenced the hiring of teachers um, in certain subjects, um, but obviously there was a, a definite lack of, of, of black um, teachers within the school environment, mm. that's for sure. Um, but yeah, super interesting and incredible answers, Toby. Um, yeah, I'd love to spend more time talking about your, 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 the love for history and, and pick your brains more on that at some other point. So here we are on our second challenge. It's the presentation round where you will have to pitch a new startup idea created by me 
We'll go through a few slides which showcase the problem, the solution, and the business model. Um, now, obviously, you haven't seen any of the slides yet. I'm sure you're very excited to have them revealed to you. And this will be a test of your improvisation skills, so be ready. Okay. You'll be able to earn up to a maximum of 15 points. So, out of five for your confidence, believability, and how well you answer any questions. Okay. For all you listeners, you can find visual slides on my website at kurthenderson.com slash podcast. So, are you ready to take the stage? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to our guest pitcher of today's Startup Pitches Awards 2021, Toby. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really honoured to present Hair Secure, a business that was born out of my bedroom, but now is in the bedrooms of millions of black women. And I'd like to present the next stage of our business. The problem. Black women, unfortunately, have other people of other races who love to put their hands in our hair. And that can be really unfortunate for a lot of us. We wear protective hairstyles known as wigs to make sure our hair underneath grows the best that it can. So, on average, someone's hair is randomly touched 30 times per minute by a stranger in the UK alone. So, with these sticky fingers, there's a huge problem that was only being spoken about in private circles, but it should be tackled publicly. <laughs> but I should caveat this with saying that while I know there's many private conversations about this, there is a lack of data on about how many black women suffer this problem. Me, Solange, I can't see her name, but we're going to call her that. She said she was out with her girlfriends. It was her birthday. She was just vibing, you know, how it was before a pandemic, you know. And then this guy saw her through the crowd, saw her beauty, and did the worst thing. He put her, his hands in her hair. And this is where Hair Secure was born. The solution is an app that allows you to hire hair security. It's like your hairy godmothers. We <laughs> are there to protect you. You have an app, you literally just open it, you use um, Face ID, and then we see where you are, and if anyone has their hands in your hair, we come and take those hands out of your crown. <laughs> Of course, let's talk market validation. Our survey shows that there's nearly 700,000 hair touches in the UK. And 3% of black women get their hair touched daily. This is a huge problem. And that means there's a gap in the market for hair secure. So yeah, um, just sorry to interrupt you, Toby. Um, I'm just an investor here. Yes. Um, could you just tell us a bit more about how the product actually works? So I download the app, then, then what happens? You literally, the app scans your face, 
and then scan your surroundings and then we have people that will come and protect you currently it's only in london so we have people you know across london as i said hairy godmothers across (laughs) london ready to protect you and that's how the app works currently wow incredible incredible the business model um so you pay by the hour for hair secure so you can basically put it on so like you make sure you put your app on so if you want it on at one o'clock because you know you're having lunch with your girlfriends and you're going to be home (laughs) at six o'clock you're charged by the hour and then also there will be in um within the app there's going to be surveys, polls that we'll get our users to take. And then obviously that data will help us form partnerships with brands who want to know more about black women's hair habits. And also it helps us understand this woman. So the uh, business model is obviously users paying for the app and then obviously the data that we'll be selling with brands. So excuse me, Toby, um, i got a question. Um, yes, Karen. You talked about, <laughs> you, you talked about um, how the security comes to protect your hair. Let's say you're out with your girlfriends and you know, they don't want their hair touched as well. Do the security just um, protect you or do they protect everyone in your circle? So they can protect everyone at your, at your circle and then you'll get a new bill, like an add-on. So like um, the hairy godmothers... <laughs> They will make a note, mental note, obviously, because, you know, they are grown-ups, they are professionals. Um, and they will, it's an extra fire, it's an extra £15 per head that is protected. <laughs> wow, okay, brilliant, brilliant. So tell us about um, the testimonials. What are the users saying about this product? Um, revolutionary. They feel protected. You know, also, you know, walking through the world as a black woman, as a woman is scary, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I know, I know our app is for black women, but to all the investors, any woman can really use it. <laughs> so we've not just got testimonials from black women, we've got testimonials from women who are pink, blue, green, red, because <laughs> they also love it. Because we know that when black women start something, the world follows. Black women lead culture. <laughs> So what, would it, what are the quotes from, from some of your existing users? Revolutionary, can't live without it, feel mm-hmm. safer than ever, no longer need to wear cling film when I go outside just to protect my hair from being touched. You know, mm-hmm. amazing. You know, people love it. Mm-hmm. Wow, incredible. Wow. And how much are you raising? Talk us about... Um, the investments um, process. We're raising two hundred forty thousand. Once, mm-hmm. um, you know, we want to invest a hundred and fifty k into making sure the technology, uh, you know, evolves. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing uh, fifty uh, hundred fifty k, so fifty k um, to expand to Birmingham and next city. Fifty uh, k mm-hmm. will be sent, spent on salaries, and forty thousand will be spent on marketing. Wow. Well, I look forward to speaking to you after the show. Um, I feel like I have some good contacts that I can put you in touch with about the raise. Um, but thanks, thanks uh, for coming today, Toby. And Thank yeah, you. all the best of luck to start up. Thank you. <laughs>
That, that was brilliant. Was it? Yeah. You absolutely smashed it. You smashed it. I've pitched way too much. I could tell. I've pitched way too much. And what made it so much more interesting as well is you didn't read exactly what I put on the screen. I couldn't which... see because our faces were there. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just oh. improvise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you told me that, you definitely get the five points for, for believability and confidence. Except for my terrible T-Rex, like. <laughs> that is true, actually. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very true. Let me mark the scores now um, to see where we are at. So, presentation round. I'm going to give you... Hmm. I'm going to give you... I'm going to award you the full 15 points for that round. I think that was incredible how you did oh, it. And you did it at a good pace as well. Full 15, full 15 points. points. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Congrats, congrats. Thank you. You smashed it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so for our third challenge... You'll have to read out a fake product ad. Oh, got it. As our listeners probably already know by now, we don't have a sponsor okay. yet. These ideas are inspired by the bored Elon Musk parody Twitter account. And then I've turned them to advert scripts. So feel free to spice them up, do your own thing, have a bit of fun with it, um, and get your ad voice on. I think I'll read. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll see how this goes. You'll be awarded two points based on your efforts. So here's the tweet you'll be turning into an ad today. Okay. Reverse sunglasses that brighten up your surroundings during the winter when you get utterly depressed from 4.30pm sundowns. Okay. Good luck. And now, just a hair from one of our sponsors. This is Tashel. She's sad, very sad, because it gets dark in the winter from 4pm. But now, she's happy, very happy, because she's just tried BEM's new reverse sunglasses that brighten up your day. Keep smiling, Tashel. Terms and conditions apply. So we're on to our fourth and final round, where you'll simply have to guess three true or okay. false questions. Oh, I like this game. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. True or, fa- true or false about what? <laughs> Is it testing my knowledge? Yes, you can say that. There will be a variety of questions around black leaders, so be prepared. Okay. You'll have the opportunity to earn six points. That's two points per question. Now, are you feeling ready? Ready. So, for the first question, Oprah Winfrey's net worth is more than three billion. True or false? False. You're correct. Oprah Winfrey's net worth is approximately around $2.6 billion. Yeah. Spot on. Very good. Question two. The richest family in the UK is Sir James Dyson. True or false? True. You're absolutely correct. Sir James Dyson and family are worth 16.2 billion 
making them the richest family in the UK. Crazy amounts. Huh, maybe you should invest in me. <laughs> yeah, they should. <laughs> I'll send them an email after. <laughs> if they posted the Black Square last summer, they should definitely invest. <laughs> Reach. <laughs> and the last question. Vogue magazine is the most popular lifestyle publication in the UK. True or false? False. Hmm. You're absolutely correct. National Geographic Traveller is the most popular lifestyle publication in the UK, according to YouGov. Wow. You scored four points in that. Yay. Glad. Incredible. So that means you scored a total of 28 points out of 40 points. Yeah, let's forget T-Rex, but yay me. <laughs> Congratulations. You did incredible. Thank you. Especially, I was really impressed on the on the pitching round. That was incredible. You flew through that, like, flawlessly. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully my own pitch will be just as good. <laughs> And just before you go, um, did you have any founder tips that you wanted to leave um, the listeners of the show today that you wish you knew when you were starting up or just any tips around um, goals, setting goals in life or, you know, just in general things that, you know, how people can find their passions and, you know, get into the world of business? Founder tips, I would say. It's not enough to have a good idea. Um... People actually have to believe in you, whether it be the investors, your audience you're trying to connect with, your employees. Mm -hmm. If your employees don't believe in you, your vision, if your investors, you know, in the very early stages, we can all give off charts and financials and metrics, but they're all estimations, right? They're investing in you and audiences they love knowing who's behind the brand. There's definitely a fine line of being doing way too much to be the face of your brand, but people connect with mm-hmm. people, not brands. A good idea is not enough. A good idea is not enough. Um, so I'll say that was a tip. I would definitely say. And delegate, you don't have to do everything. And if you have mm-hmm. someone, if you can hire a team of superstars, if you can hire a team of people, that are better than you do it mm-hmm. do it you don't need to be the superstar on your team hire people that you believe are superstars or will be superstars hire people that make you raise your game um i think those are my two founder tips very very powerful very very powerful thank you so thank much you. for sharing that with us toby i hope everyone who's listening has signed up to black ballad by now yes and He's giving it all a read. <laughs> yeah, and I actually have a discount for everybody. Oh, tell us about this discount. If you go to blackballad.co.uk forward slash register, hopefully there'll be a link below somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. If you type in Toby when it comes to the discount uh, box, Toby, T-O-B-I, lowercase, uppercase, whatever you want to do, it works anyhow. Toby, T-O-B-I, you get 40% off any membership Ooh. okay well let me put that in now i was going to sign up without the discount to be honest no excuse yeah (laughs) i will be on in just a second you'll see my name pop up in the registration list (laughs) wonderful 
I get notifications on it. We get new members, so I'll be looking out for it. Oh, little bell. Ding, ding. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today, Toby. The Hoka podcast, the Black Founders series. We look forward to trying Black Ballad and we'll be following your journey. Stay tuned.